you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden, exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. And welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report, where we're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania. And we broadcast live every weeknight, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. This is the place to be. We're also simulcast on BTR, that's Blog Talk Radio. And you can watch us live by archive right here on our official YouTube channel. That is the official YouTube channel of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Go to HagmanandHagman.com, and there you'll find the various venues, audio and video venues to uh to take advantage of our program. And uh, before we get uh, started into in tonight's program, I want to mention to everyone, uh, if you can, please, uh, I did uh, I did pen another article. I'm the author of uh, another article today uh, that's featured on Canada Free Press where you can make comments. It's on HagmanReport.com, but uh, if you go to CanadaFreePress.com there, it's about the 800-page Benghazi report. The reason I bring this up is because 800 pages worth of uh, well, it's an interesting report, let me just say. We don't have time to get into it. But what was never mentioned, obviously, and what was avoided at all costs was the, is the, uh, uh, gun running operation, the fast and fur- furious operation on steroids that, uh, Benghazi represented. And, uh, in, you know, it's, when you, when you, when you research or when you investigate a, a crime, what do you look for? You look for motive. Well, the motive initially was passed off. It's some obscure internet video, which was a lie. And, uh, um, uh, and Patty emails. Smith, yeah. uh, Clinton emails reveal right. as much. They knew it was an al Nusra, right. uh, uh, no, operation. Know, it was not a spontaneous protest. And it, it was revealed right. through the Clinton emails release that they knew so that very night. Right, and and that the emails play into it, but that's that's not entirely. I separated that out only because there's only so much you can cram into a I don't know, 
1,300 words. But the fact of the matter is this. Uh, Patricia Smith, the mother of Sean Smith, who was killed, murdered in Benghazi, uh, said, basically called uh, Hillary Clinton a liar. Imagine, imagine Hillary Clinton standing five feet away from a... Oh, right next to Patricia Smith, and uh, right adjacent to the coffin that holds the remains of her son, and looking her square in the eye and saying, hey, it was the video. Meanwhile, meanwhile, she knew, she knew that the video had nothing to do with it. And the video traces back to, of course, the CIA. And uh, as far as I, my research is concerned, it had traced back to um, Brennan's company. And isn't it interesting, nearly six months to the day, uh, Brennan becomes the director of the CIA after Benghazi. So, uh, again, HagmanReport.com, but please comment on the article at CanadaFreePress.com. And the reason I solicit comments is because that does elevate the uh, visibility of the article. That's that's the only reason. Um, you can even type, hey, this is stupid. Okay, I, it doesn't matter. I, I don't care. But it elevates the the visibility of the article. Um with the search engines, and, and and people need to understand how deep this deception goes. At the epicenter here, of course, is the um, is the is the battle for Syria, and it's going to begin World War Three, as I've said, long said. It's going to begin in Syria, and this uh, uh, this lays it lays it out, I think, in the deception that is the eight hundred word or eight hundred page report that is the uh, House Committee. Select Committee on Benghazi. But we've got a great show planned out for you tonight. Portions of the nice broadcast brought to you by Health Masters. That's healthmasters.com. Healthmasters.com. Folks, go to Health Masters today. Today, today, today is the last day for Doug 5 for the 5% off. So you got to use, go to Health Masters, you make an order, 5% off your order when you use the coupon code Doug 5. So you got to, you got to get that in there. So. Uh, but expires at midnight Eastern time today. Healthmasters.com, Doug5 for the coupon code. Paul McGuire is with us, Joe. I'm going to toss it to you to bring on yeah. Professor Paul McGuire. Yeah, tonight we have Paul McGuire with us. Uh, folks, go to paulmcguire.us and bookmark his website. Uh, he's done a great job, and we're going to be talking about a number of things. Uh, Paul, I see your, your article... Uh, Brexit, the European Union, and the transatlantic money making uh, money matrix. Uh, <laughs> getting into the the, the trade aspect of, of things and the uh, what's happening with the uh, Britain leaving the European Union. Uh, we're going to get into all that tonight, folks. And and don't forget, Paul's book just uh, was released, "A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017." It's available on his site right now. Uh, go there, paulmcguire.us. Paul, it's great to have you back on. Gentlemen, it's great to be back on your program as always. Man, uh, I'll tell you, Paul, yeah, what a great article, folks. If you haven't read it, necessary show prep indeed at paulmcguire.us. Paul, what's, uh, l- let's talk. I mean, let's talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot, there's a lot, to, there's an enormous amount to talk about because, um, there's a um, convergence of so many forces uh, happening in the United States and globally that are all, um, I, I hate to use the expression, do or die situations, but they are. So if we 
take the Brexit thing, um, where um, the people of uh, Great Britain um, voted to uh, get themselves out of the European Union, that should be a huge uh, lesson to those of us in the United States of America and our, our media uh, isn't going to tell us what that lesson is. They're going to conceal the lesson because they're part of the uh, concealment that, that has been going on in the European Union since, since its inception. And and the concealment behind the European Union uh, in a very simple way of explaining it is that um, the founders of the European Union, many of them uh, were Nazis, and uh, a great deal of Nazi money was used, and uh, secret uh, occult societies in Europe, in Germany, and in Britain uh, were used to put together the European Union. But they, they lied to the people. The elite uh, lied to the people of Europe. Um, in the same way that the elite are lying to the uh, common man uh, and woman in the United States. Uh, first of all, they started off the, the early days and years of the European Union. It was supposed to be just about, quote, harmless trade treaties, uh, trade treaties involving steel and coal primarily. And so nobody really paid attention to it. But as I've said on your show before, um, and I write in the article, um, inserted in in the language of these uh, seemingly harmless trade treaties were incremental legal paragraphs that were designed to intentionally and methodically, because I've read the writings of the the guys who put this thing together, the elite that put this together. It was designed to destroy uh, the sovereign independence of every sovereign nation in Europe, and it was designed to destroy the rights and the liberties and the freedoms of the average working class, middle class European, let's say, who was uh, a Frenchman or uh, came from Britain or Italy or Greece or whatever. So it was a Trojan horse uh, designed to enslave uh, the common man and woman of Europe, but, but they didn't know that in the same way that the average American uh, in the United States is completely clueless, is completely out to lunch regarding the, the dark nature of these trade treaties. And, uh, you know, they, and I don't mean to be unkind, but most people walk around like smiling idiots uh, when they talk about trade treaties. And I'll give you an example now that this particular uh, individual is no longer running for president. And again, I'm not trying to be unkind, but sometimes you have to, you, ha you know, you have to tell the truth. So you had all these evangelical Christians who were intoxicated and in a honeymoon relationship uh, with one of the uh, Republican presidential candidates whose wife worked for the big um, international bankers 
and his wife was an instrumental part of uh, these trade treaties because she was one of the writers of the Building a North American Community, a 59-page document by the Institute of Policy Studies and the Council on Foreign Relations, where they said we're going to merge Canada, Mexico, and the United States into one North American Union to be mirrored after the European Union. And um, that is a trade treaty because they talked about opening the borders and the free flow of uh, uh, manufacturing and jobs from one nation to another. What they neglected to say was the free flow was going only one way. It was going south from the United States into Mexico where they could exploit cheap labor and uh, build factories cheaper. So uh, this this conservative, Bible-thumping, um, pseudo-constitutional expert and his so-called evangelical wife, uh, they are the working for the big banks, and they're totally promoting trade treaties. So when I refer back to the smiling idiots that... Uh, uh, in, 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 an, in an intoxicated manner, uh, are proudly uh, voting for him and his wife because they, you know, thumped their Bibles properly. Uh, oh, and he came out the other day, and I don't want to be un- a cruel or vulgar, so if you have sensitive ears, this, this is a uh, news item. It was quoted from the front page of the Drudge Report. But this particular politician, uh, Republican conservative politician, did take a bold stand uh, to make um, uh, vibrators uh, it, it, for sexual purposes uh, illegal in in the state of Texas. Now, I'm saying that to say that if that's where your focus is, if if your focus is so my, myopic that 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 you are like uh, obsessed with whether or not they sell vibrators. Uh, in Texas, you know, at the, the giant retail pharmacies, and you miss the important issue, which is the, the guy and his wife were promoting trade treaties. Well, let's go back to the European Union. Right now, most of the people in the European Union, the ones that are still not in a trans state, they're desperate to get out of the European Union. And the reason they're desperate to get out of the European Union is they don't have any more rights. They can't vote, for the most part, except for a few things. Uh, They can't publicly uh, voice their opinions, and they have to... view the European Union as kind of a dictatorship. Uh, at, at this moment, a soft dictatorship, but the European Union was designed to take away their rights from the beginning. It was designed to lower their standard of living, and it was designed to create a European Union super state that was like a dictatorship with its own uh, military force. And uh, the people of Europe don't like that. They're working for lower wages. They have no rights. And all the things that our Constitution and Bill of Rights protect us from, uh, the Europeans have lost because they now have to abide by an absolutely horrific European Union Constitution. So the lesson for any American, especially uh, a Christian American, 
you know, uh, we are very late in the game here in the U.S. Uh, if you can't uh, figure out which way the wind is blowing by now, and you can't recognize what could potentially happen in a year or two uh, to America, and that's why in my new book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017, I deliberately used the, the, the years 2016-2017 as part of the title because it's in these two years, and perhaps 2018, the decisions and the choices we make are going to be irreversible. I believe we can change the direction of this nation, and uh, uh, when I say that, assuming uh, we please God, and I'm not talking about undoing Bible prophecy, but if we don't do an immediate turnaround from the kind of lazy, stupid thinking that is common among the Christians, uh, never mind the masses, if we don't do an immediate turnaround and we don't get our heads screwed on straight really quickly and we don't start to act effectively and strategically, we're going to lose this nation. It's no longer, uh, this is a, a remote fear that we're going to lose this nation. We are on the precipice of a dictatorship. And uh, again, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the reason that they're voting right now, I believe uh, it's a tie at the moment, so I don't know which way it's going to go, uh, but they want to uh, censor the content and information on the Internet. And it's the left, of course, that wants to do that because uh, a free Internet, which means free speech, is, is a threat to any dictatorial movement so um, this is it man I mean it's over we either step up to the plate and do what we're supposed to do intelligently and know what's going on or we uh, downward spiral, spiral very quickly and uh, end up like Cyprus or a third world nation where uh, you know UN uh, military uh, armored vehicles uh, in white are patrolling our streets and uh, guess what if you got uh, a U uh, United Nations troops uh, um, initiating martial law in the US you, you, you try to argue about what your rights are and they speak back to you in Chinese or Cuban or uh uh, North Korean or Russian, uh, you know, it, it's over. You're not talking to an American that might be sympathetic to your cause. You're talking to somebody who speaks Russian and has been raised in a communist country. You object, you're going to get a bullet in your throat. So I'm not exaggerating, I'm not embellishing. The handwriting's on the wall, and that's why the people of Europe are trying to get out of the European Union. Britain did it. Um, and now they have a stranglehold uh, on the rest of the populations. You ask yourself the question, why can Merkel and the rest of these clowns uh, continue to be in power? When all the polls in Europe uh, say that she is immensely uh, uh, not popular, uh, the head of France is not popular, all the globalists that they've installed uh, as the heads of the European Union nations, they're not popular. The people want another choice. But guess what? 
They manage to stay in power no matter what the people think because of the uh, economic might of controlling and dominating the media and controlling people's thoughts. So I know that's a long-winded answer, but we're very, very late in the game. And if we don't turn around now, you know, it's time for the, the, the days of delusion are over. The days of saying, well, we can pontificate and we have time. We can't, you know, we cannot afford the luxury of stupid thinking. We cannot afford the luxury of not thinking about political or social or moral issues from a crystal clear manner. Uh, the days of having chocolate pudding uh, for your brain cells, it's over, man. You've got to sharpen up or you're not going to live, and that you will not pass on an America that's worth living in to, to your children. I'm not embellishing. I'm not exaggerating. The clock is ticking, and we don't have much time. Paul, uh, well said, and we are looking, in my view anyway, in our view collectively, uh, looking at the uh, chain-stoking uh, of of America, you know, in a larger sense. And and we had talked yesterday and days before about uh, um, about the elections and about, in fact, about Trump specifically. And but regardless of who will get in the White House, um, I believe the change has got to come from the bottom up. It, it's it's not going to really work from the bottom or from the top down. But having right. said all of that, no, no. But what you said about Brexit, I, I just want to revisit that for a moment because I, I was thinking about you. I, obviously, I read your article, but I was thinking about you um, following that vote. Is is that not a setback for the globalist agenda? Okay, at least at its face, or or I guess my the other half of that question, or could it be? Similar to like the uh, breakup of the Soviet Union back in '92 when the wall fell. Well, that's a very excellent question, and um, as I as I wrote in my article, um, you know, analyzing uh, Brexit um, and reading all the commentary that was saying, you know, this was the success of the middle class. Uh, Revolts, and this is uh, a success to uh, those people that want freedom, uh, the working class man and woman and the middle class, that this this is a success. Um, I can tell you that I'm very highly suspicious of that conclusion. Um, based on uh, everything that I hear and see, um, uh, I would, I think perhaps, um, there is a popular uprising, and the people did show up at the polls. But my my gut instinct tells me that this is part of a game plan that has been allowed by the the elite that really run Europe. Um, they're allowing it for their purposes, and their purposes is that. Um, they're allowing it so that they can uh, really um, form their dictatorial uh, European Union superstate. In other words, I think this is a ruse. I think this is this is a fake victory, and I think it's it's allowed by the elite 
if not designed by the elite, and they're certainly going to use it to put into fast track uh, an authoritarian, an even more authoritarian, an even more dictatorial uh, European Union, uh, which is uh, almost fascist in a sense. Uh, so I, I don't see it as the victory or the successful middle class uprising uh, that a lot of conservative commentators are calling it. Uh, I think, you know, let's face it, the elite uh, have massive intelligence services. They have endless uh, funds. They knew years ago that this day would come and that there would be a vote on Brexit, and they knew the outcome of it before it happened. They allowed it to happen. Um, this didn't happen, you know, this wasn't some uh, uh, middle-class move that outsmarted the elite. And, you know, the people didn't, I don't see this, I don't perceive this as the people uh, uh, triumphed over the elite. I think the elite are using this in a very, very skillful chess game uh, to put together their dictatorial European uh, union super state. So I, I think I think it's part of a plan, and they're using it. You know, and, and I, I have to go back to uh, your books, including a, your the original, well, The Prophecy of the Future of America, your book talking about the European Union, talking about the agenda of the globalists and how you have laid everything all out. And, folks, I, I can't wait to get my copy. By the way, I, I, thought, I thought we... I don't know. I have to uh, order um, the uh, Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017. No, I'll send it to you. I was concerned about that because I said to myself, I should have sent you guys one or two copies anyway. So well, uh, I will send it to you. Okay, we're going just... to devour it, man. i, I got to tell you, I, I can't wait to read what you've written in that book. Based, just based on, on your previous writings, how... how Razor like, razor sharp, uh, with accuracy. You've been uh, on the geopolitical events. Um, you've you've called pretty much everything. Yeah, it's very you know it's 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 very weird and and it surprises me more than anybody because. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It it, it it's almost. Um, and, and folks, this is not a sales pitch. It will end up as one, but it's not intended to be one. Um, the uh, the uncanny accuracy. Uh, Paul has a gift of looking at the past events and current events and being able to lay out a future strategy of the globalists, as along with the uh, plans for us to fight back. So, it's just a fantastic. Uh, your books are fantastic. So I, uh, that's all I really wanted to say. Go ahead, sir. I didn't mean to to take you off well, that what, stride there. What's what's what surprises me, uh, and um, when I say I, I attribute this to the Lord, I'm not just saying that because that's the expected response, you know, of a Christian author. I know it's the Lord and 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 nothing else. Um. When I first started, for example, talking about trade treaties, and I, I made a big to-do about it on CNN, Fox News, uh, on my nationally syndicated Paul McGuire show, 
uh, I there was three guys that that blew the trumpet on me, and I can never remember his name. He was a conservative talk show host on CNN, and he did this stuff on trade treaties, and I think he's in Fox now. He blew the whistle on it. I blew the whistle on it, and uh, Joseph Corsi, I believe, yeah, Dr. Corsi blew the whistle on it. Oh, and uh, Phyllis Schlafly, and that was it. And uh, I took tremendous uh, hostility, um, um, tremendous hostility and anger. Uh, uh, and I'm not saying there weren't people that didn't have platforms that weren't writing about it because there were. There, there, were. there were people who knew about it, they just didn't have the platforms. I had a platform by God's grace. So um, I took a tremendous... I mean, even now I take a tremendous amount of animosity for saying they're planning to merge Canada, Mexico, and the United States. Even though today in the Drudge Report, the head of Mexico uh, came out and said uh, in the last week that he wants to see Canada, Mexico, and the United States merged. Um, I still take heat on that. And in 2005, I wrote a book called Are You Ready?, uh, and I talked about the merger of Canada and Mexico and the United States and the building of the North American Union document um, and, um, um, you know, talked all, all about it and took tremendous heat for it. But what was weird is why did I begin to write on it? And um, this has been a process uh, when I do research. You know, the Lord guides me um, um you know that still small voice, that that inner sense that you need to pursue this or stay away from that. It, it's been a continual thing. So, for example, uh, with this latest book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017, I began that book writing it about nine months ago or so, and uh, I had a, an idea of what I was going to write about. But I wasn't that far into the book where I kept sensing the Lord, uh, not in an audible voice, but kept he kept directing me to write about economics. And it wasn't one time, it was like over and over and over again. I, I sensed the Lord uh, pushing me to, sit, to, to, you know, write about economics, explain more on the Federal Reserve, really expose the Federal Reserve, talk about the, and then talk about the trade treaties in greater detail, and the um, uh, European Union, and the parallels between the European Union, what they did, and what they're planning to do here. And then talk about the outsourcing of the middle class, and then I sense the Lord say, uh, but don't, you know, don't leave people in, in like a state of shock or fear. Devote a considerable portion of the book uh, to to answers and solutions, so that people can walk away after reading the book and have a a game plan from the Lord on what to do. And that was a huge burden. So, um, but I didn't know that that there was going to be the Brexit. I didn't know uh, about the uproar that was going to happen with the trade treaties during the uh, earlier days of the political election. So a lot of the stuff that exploded on the scene, uh, which which kept happening, by the way, in all the books, uh, a lot of things that exploded on the scene, I had already written in the book. So the book's out, but it, 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 was, it was like I had advanced knowledge. 
And the same thing goes back to an earlier book, Countdown Armageddon. You know, I, this it came out uh, about um, th- a month or two before nine one one, and uh, so in the book I talked about Al Qaeda, I talked about uh, Osama bin Laden, I talked about terrorist attacks in U.S. cities, I talked extensively about a terrorist attack. Uh, against the World Trade Center and um, talked about the first attack on the World Trade Center. Now, you know, and then two months later, all this happened. How could I possibly know? There's no way in the world I could have known. So the point is that, you know, when, when you pray and you read the Word, plus you really do your homework, uh, I believe that when you do that, the Lord can speak to you, you know, not in audible, not in an audible voice, but He can divinely lead you and to divinely uh, uh, open things up to you because the success rate is too high. And I know it's not me. You know, it's not because oh, gee, Paul McGuire is just such a brilliant researcher. I know that's not the case. It's the Lord. And so a lot of these things that are happening now um, and their relevance and their importance. Um, you know, God's hand has been there. I'll just give you one other example, and then we'll leave it alone. When I was attending the University of Missouri, I remember taking uh, an economics class only because I had to get a degree. And I was completely, like, didn't have, have any understanding of what I was hearing in the lecture. I mean, it was a complete fog to me, economics. And I thought, you know, this is just too over my head. I, I didn't get a thing out of it. Now, this is the irony of it. This is the irony of how God can use any one of us in our lives, um, despite what we think our natural talents are or are not. So I was clueless when it came to economics. Well, little did I know, you know, it would be uh, a couple of decades later, uh, Fox was News was sending a limousine to my house, uh, on a regular basis to have me debate on the largest uh, cable news net- network shows, primarily uh, to debate on economics and to debate against uh, the nation's leading economists, like the publisher or the chief editors of the Wall Street Journal and Forbes and you know the, the big think tanks. So, I mean, that's really an irony for, for a guy that... that was a complete idiot when it came to economics in college and hopeless. And then, you know, because of the Lord and the Lord only, the next thing you know, I'm debating uh, leading economists on, on Fox News and other programs. So that's what hap- you know, that's what happens when God gets in, in the picture. That's the whole point. Yeah. You know, it is divine. There's really no other way to describe it. And I know, Paul, you can feel um, when you write, you I, as you and I have spoken, you can feel um, the Holy Spirit moving through you as you write your your articles, your and do what you do, and that that's that's a gift. I, I know when I write uh, certain things, some things come come hard for me, difficult for me, and uh, I realize I'm not on the right not in the right frame of mind or I'm not connected or I'm not writing right. what I should be writing but you know what right. you, you, you pray it up and, and man it flows so you know it's it's right yeah you know yeah right and and so um, 
you know, it, it, God has given every, every person listening to the program, you know, a whole a multitude of gifts, whether it's economics or whatever it is, you know, God has given his people, every, every person a gift. And if people will make some minimal effort, it doesn't have to be a perfect effort. And you don't have to be a perfect person to be a candidate for God using you, or we'd all be disqualified, including me. Um, you know, God, God will, God seems to delight in especially using us, uh, in the area where we naturally, uh, don't seem to have it together. I mean, sometimes God blesses people, you know, uh, who are good at an area and he just kind of amplifies that. But I've seen a lot of people where God will take the thing that, that they're awful at and that's the very thing that God uh, uses in their life in the most powerful way. So I hope I hope that encourages someone. And the other thing is, when you commit your life to the Lord, you know the Lord has a has a strange way of opening doors that you would never expect to be opened. Um, you know, I mean, doors that you would never have planned of, or you you would never have conceived of. And this this goes to anybody listening. Um, I was taping, I shot um, 36 uh, Apocalypse of the End Times uh, TV shows. I, sh- I shot 36 sh- separate shows when I was in Colorado um, in three days. So that's like, I don't know, 14, 15 hours a day, just you know, one show after another. And ironically, and I hadn't planned this, but the, one of the guests flew in from England, and uh, I ended up on Skype interviewing uh, one of the world's leading economists. And when I say leading economist, this guy is above like Ben Bernanke of the Federal Reserve and and Janet Yeltsin. He's way above these people. And so uh, I spent two hours interviewing uh, this leading economist named Dr. Werner. And Dr. Werner was the economist that when Japan was having its economic meltdown, in the 1990s, the Federal Reserve and the central banks uh, were terrified that it was going to go, go the, the Japanese meltdown was going to become a global economic meltdown. So uh, Dr. Werner uh, devised a, a process for uh, creating a firewall, and it was quantitative easing. Now, I, I grilled him. I mean, I didn't, you know, give him any wiggle room. I asked about the Fed printing money for nothing and, you know, all these questions, which which he answered. So um, I'm not here to, to defend quantitative easing, but the way he explained his method of quantitative easing, um, um, unless he was conning me completely, was not... Uh, just printing money from nothing. It, it, was, it, it, it had more integrity than that. So, in any case, uh, because he was the economist that the Fed and the central banks of Europe uh, believed kept the, the, the global meltdown from happening in the 1990s coming out of Japan, when we had the 2007 mortgage economic crisis in the United States, which started to go global, and once again, the Fed and the central banks were, like, panicky because they thought it was going to go into a global meltdown. 
uh, Ben Bernanke, who I believe at that time was running the Federal Reserve, he remembered this guy, Dr. Werner, and the fact that Dr. Werner was able to prevent a global economic meltdown. So uh, he pulled in Dr. Werner again uh, to basically uh, tell the Fed and the central banks what to do. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not commenting on, you know, uh, you know, it's obviously a short-term fix, but uh, I ended up spending two hours, and I could ask this guy any question that I wanted to, and believe me, I asked him all kinds of questions about printing money from nothing, the, the, the secrecy, and uh, for the most part, he, he answered the questions uh, uh, directly. I, I'd say, I would say, first of all, I don't ever recall watching any cable news show where they interviewed an economist on the level of this guy. So I consider that a privilege. And number two is I know for a fact I've never seen a cable news network ask a leading economist, an economist that tells the Fed what to do, uh, ask him questions like, well, why does the Federal Reserve print money from, from nothing? And why? what about the debt slavery system? So it was, you know, all things considered, it was a, 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 a fairly uh, substantial, honest interview. And how did that happen? And not because I have, you know, some, you know, great connections or whatever. The Lord arranged it. So the point is, God, God, if if you're willing, God can give you all kinds of information. You know, you can overhear somebody talking in an airport. You know, God can can put very important information. Uh, in your life, if he can trust you and, and, and you're trying to seek him for a plan. Amen. I mean, if he can trust you. Interesting words, but, but how true is that? Folks are talking with Paul McGuire. His website, paulmcguire.us. The veteran listeners know exactly who Paul McGuire is and, uh, uh, understand the the value of the information that Paul is is providing here tonight, um, man. I'll tell you, we we've we've got uh, so many things. I've got so many questions. We, there's so many people have written in with questions, um, especially about the uh, uh, about the domestic side of of, of everything. Um, the I, I guess since we were talking about the Brexit. One of the questions that we did receive here, to what extent, excuse me, to what extent do you believe uh, Brexit, that vote, will affect or have, what what impact might it have on our elections? I guess that's the first part of it. I might as well toss another question in addition to that out there, too. Do you believe that... Um, do you believe that Donald Trump? Okay, you know the first part of that question is Brexit effect uh, impact on the current elections, and also do you believe that uh, Donald Trump will be able to survive? And by survive, I don't, I mean politically survive the machinations of the Republican Party, or or just plain survive um, past the convention because of the blowback to the uh, elite. So those are two questions for you. Well, uh, both of those are very good questions. Now, the first one, um, I believe the elite in our nation and the 
people at the high levels of politics and think tanks, et cetera, et cetera. They already know uh, what the mood uh, of the American people is. I mean, they, they have so many polls. They know uh, the American people are not happy at all. Um, they know that what the American people are concerned about. And then the media lies and doesn't accurately reflect it. So they always marginalize it or, or minimize it. But um, the American people, um, um, the reason that they, were, that they are so connected to Brexit is because the average American, not all of them, I mean, there's a lot of Americans that are in a hopeless trance, um, but there's a lot of Americans that see a, a very uh, amazing parallel between uh, the working class and the middle class in Europe trying to get out from under the thumb of the elite and, and a bad deal and losing their freedoms and the struggle of the working class and the American middle class in the United States uh, also getting a bad deal, getting ripped off. Because why Why is the middle class and the working class, why are the wages down? Why is there outsourcing? Why is manufacturing going overseas? Why are people working two or three jobs for less money? Why the economic downturn? It is not, as the media has been saying and continues to say, uh, through some kind of random economic misfortune. No, it's 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 not an accident that that in the last ten years that the one percent have become increasingly more and more wealthy, and everybody else has become poorer and poorer. It's because they have squeezed every ounce of profit, and they've treated the American people for the most part like slaves. Um, and uh, the American people know that. I mean, the media can lie all it wants to about uh, the economy, but you walk around in, in middle-class neighborhoods all across America and you see this chain or that store or this store closing, you know. People aren't, people aren't stupid. They hear from their friends and neighbors. They, they, they see their, uh, medic, the costs of their medical uh, um, you know, escalating, you know, 50, 65% more people, you know, the word gets around. People know they're getting a bad deal. So uh, the Americans, I think, are very connected to what's happening in Britain. And and they're kind of looking to see, well, will, will the British be successful and will they be able to uh, get back their income and their freedoms? Because that's really what the uh, American middle class and working class wants here. This whole nonsense about a racial war uh, and this racial conflict is is a complete uh, it's a complete fabrication. It's, it's a tiny minority of, of professional agitators on both sides trying to create an artificial race war or artificial race hostilities because as long as the elite can pit one side against the other in America, then they can divide and conquer. Um, uh, you know, and, and that's this whole thing with the Hispanics against the blacks and the blacks against the whites and the whole thing, the majority of it is artificial. It's, it's just a divide and conquer strategy because all of those groups are, are getting uh, ripped off. 
so Americans are looking to see what, what you know, is there an answer in what the British people are doing by rising up. And then the other thing is Trump, I, first of all, you know, I think it's very, very naive. I think it's ignorant. And I think it is certainly not biblical to expect that everybody that you elect for office or who holds a position of power uh, is, number one, a born-again Christian, or number two, uh, you can go down some kind of checklist of, uh, of uh, the attributes of a born-again Christian or what is biblical, and that, that, that the only reason a leader should be elected um, or put into power is if he meets all the checklist questions uh, about his or her spirituality. I mean, there, there are certain things that are that are obviously major issues, like uh, the right to life, etc. But uh, there are other things that are, that are very minor. So it's very naive and very foolish to expect that the only leader that God may give you uh, is going to behave like a, a perfect Christian. I mean, throughout history, um, going back into the Old Testament and the New Testament. Uh, God would often raise up heathen kings or, or nominal believers or backslidden believers or whatever to rule and reign properly because they may have had other attributes, such as they had the ability to actually get the job done and they were tough and God raised them up rather than some person who spends six hours a day meditating in the scriptures but, but can't get anything done. So, so there has to be kind of a bigger objectivity in evaluating uh, a, a candidate. And I think a lot of people are, are placing these uh, non-biblical expectations on, on their leaders. You know, I hope I didn't offend anybody but it was on the cover of the, of the Drudge uh, report uh, where uh, one of the political candidates that lost, uh, you know, is spending his time passing legislation to make vibrators illegal in Texas. I mean, you know, that's like insanity. If that's what your focus is, and meanwhile he and his wife are working for the big banks and are promoting trade treaties that literally are killing jobs, that will cause more divorces and more pain and suffering. And yet, you know, I'm sure a lot of Christians were thrilled with, with his, his uh, moral stance, but that's like a really crazy way of, you know, I, people always ask me, if I had to see a surgeon, uh, for surgery, let's say, God forbid, if I had to have brain surgery, okay? And I used to say this on the radio, who would I rather have as my brain surgeon? An atheist who does not believe in God, but who studied his posterior off in terms of brain surgery, and he keeps up with all the latest developments in brain surgery? Would I rather have that atheist operate on me? Or would I rather have a spirit-filled, born-again Christian who can quote and memorize Bible verses and speaks in tongues eight hours a day? I'll tell you, without, in a, without even in a nanosecond decision, give me the atheist 
who's diligent about being a surgeon and knows the, the latest techniques of surgery and is good at being a surgeon, I would rather have an atheist operate on me any day of the week than somebody who's so super spiritual but really doesn't uh, discipline himself or herself in doing their job right. And that same, that same um, evaluation grid should be applied to a politician. Now, for, for the answer, and that's called wisdom, and I, I deal with this in my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, 2016-2017, because I felt this, one, the Lord kept saying, deal, you know, deal with the economics, but really open it up. And then I felt the Lord direct me into, Paul, I want you to give answers. I don't want you to just leave people shell-shocked, and, and don't just, you know, uh, <laughs> Don't accidentally, uh, um, not that I am a prosperity teacher, but don't accidentally uh, uh, end up giving people uh, this uh, prosperity type teaching uh, where, you know, if they recite a few scripture verses, uh, God's going to, uh, you know, send a stork and, you know, uh, a, a bag filled with a million dollars at your doorstep because that's, that's going to hurt people and it's not honest. So, so God, so, so I said, well, Lord, how am I going to, you know, how do I give your people answers on how to survive, how to overcome, and how to prosper in this current environment? So, in the prophecy of the future of America, 2016, 2017, I, I turned up the heat and I began to research. I started with King Solomon, and I really cracked open King Solomon's life. And I went into Joseph's life and Daniel's life and other uh, men of God's life. And I found so much out about King Solomon. Uh, the fact that he was probably worth in today's dollars, uh, $500 trillion in today's money. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the wealthiest person in the world, the media lies. The, the Forbes magazine list of the wealthiest. It's complete fabrication and lie. They have Bill Gates, who's $50 million as the wealthiest person in the world. That is a complete lie. $50 million is, is pocket change. The Rothschild family, the really wealthy people today, the really wealthy families, it's impossible to track their uh, wealth because they, they do it through their family empires, which have been around at least 200 years. But it's estimated that the Rothschild banking families are worth today approximately anywhere from 300 trillion to 500, uh, excuse me, 400 trillion dollars. That's a staggering and, amount, Paul. Uh, sorry to, yeah, well, to interrupt me, you. Yeah. We're at the top of the hour break. So hold okay. that thought. The Rothschild's value. Three hundred man to four hundred trillion dollars. Well, you can't even count it. No, folks, we're with Paul McGuire. We'll be right back after this. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. You may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. 
exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Ladies and gentlemen, to hour number two of this Thursday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our guest tonight is Paul McGuire. Go to his website and bookmark it. The website is paulmcguire.us. A couple of announcements before we get back with Paul. First, American Survival Wholesale's Independence Day special. I want to read this to you. This is from Chance. Um, They sold out of their special (laughs) in 16 hours' time. But Chance, being the... A uh, great man that he is says that they will honor the deal uh, for the price for those who have missed out due to listening to the uh, podcast later. Uh, some folks were buying up to nine uh, Independence Day packs at a time. The only problem is he spoke with the manufacturer. They are producing more of the Independence Day packs as we speak. The only problem is they will not be able to ship until July 15th when the product arrives at their Texas warehouse. Again, the uh, American Survival Wholesale Independence Day Special uh, has sold out, but you can still purchase it at the uh, sale price. You're just going to have to wait until uh, about two weeks, July 15th, when they receive the product and they'll be able to ship it out. So go to AmericanSurvivalWholesale.com and check out their Independence Day Special. Also, um, another announcement that has to do with Paul McGuire, the Hear the Watchman conference in Knoxville is just 90 days away. Now, we did the Hear the Watchman conference in Dallas uh, in March, and it was just a fantastic event. Uh, Paul was there, Pastor Lankford, Russ Dizdar, uh, L.A. Marzulli, Flip Benham, just a number of great people, Josh Tolley. There is an early registration special price of $99 a ticket right now. That expires at midnight on July 4th. Go to hearthewatchman.com and the watchman part is watchmen, M-E-N, www.hearthewatchman.com today and reserve your spots. Um, you'll hear people like tonight's guest, Paul McGuire, along with Pastor David Langford, Pastor Paul Begley, uh, Michael Boldea, L.A. Marzulli, Russ Dizdar, Josh Tolley, John B. Wells. Hear the Watchman, uh, Dallas was just the beginning. And they uh, say, come be blessed, be baptized. Spend the weekend with like-minded individuals from around the country. Make new friends and enjoy the fellowship while being warmed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And speaking from its experience, the Hear the Watchman conference in Dallas was fantastic. And I would urge anybody who has the ability to go to Knoxville 
to make sure that they take advantage of that opportunity. Um, the conference is September 30th through October 2nd. So go to hearthewatchman.com. And Paul, you're going to be at hearthewatchman.com. Last time in Dallas, uh, you gave, uh, you opened, gave yeah, an amazing. It, it, just by the way, again, w- unfortunately, we we will not be there. We will we will not be in attendance. But uh, uh, don't let that time, stop yeah. you, man. Uh, Paul McGuire, oh, worth the price of admission. Let me tell you. Yeah, and they got the live streaming. They got the DVDs available as well. Everything that was offered at the last conference will be offered this time. So again. Go to www.hearthewatchman.com and check out the great lineup of speakers and get the low price on the ticket sales, $99, until July 4th at midnight. When that offer expires, the ticket sales go to $139 per ticket. So you're saving $40 by buying your tickets now. That's right. And and Paul. The Paul McGuire report. Yeah. Can, Can we, can we, can we get get some information about sure. what we've been hearing rumblings? I mean, our our red phone has been ringing off the hook saying, "Hey, did you hear about the Paul McGuire report?" And we said, "What's that?" No, to, to tell people. <laughs> uh, the Paul McGuire report is um, uh, we're going to do a Monday through Friday. We're going to do a two-hour show each day, Monday through Friday, on Blog Talk Radio. And uh, I think we're on about an hour or so before you guys run. And um, it's an opportunity for uh, people, you know, all over the world, the United States, to, to listen. Um, there, We're going to do a number of things. One is there'll be uh, current event analysis from a biblical perspective and the perspective of Bible prophecy. Uh, there'll also be, a, uh, be doing... Uh, Bible teaching, uh, everything from Bible prophecy, but Genesis to Revelation. But in a way, probably that most people, um, well, if they've heard me speak or uh, written my books, they'll know uh, the kind of teaching I do. It's it's uh, it's uh, totally biblical, but I mean, I get into stuff that, I mean, I, I start with the premise that the Bible is incredibly interesting. So, and I like to get into stuff that that uh, a lot of people won't touch uh, because I find that's what people uh, are starving for. And then also, people need to be built up and, and touched by the power of God. So the program um, is for the, those purposes. I think it'll uh, really bless people. And then my wife will be joining me once uh, a week for the program, and she's a great Bible teacher, and we'll be talking about. Uh, different Bible verses and teachings that have to do with stuff like, you know, overcoming fear and applying uh, the promises of God and the power of God in, into the different areas of people's lives. Because let's face it, these are these are rough days that we live in. So when people tune in, uh, I believe uh, the Lord will touch them. And so thank you for giving me the opportunity to mention that. And if they go to PaulMcGuire.us. We have the time and uh, um, how to uh, listen and all the rest of that stuff. So that we start broadcasting July 4th, two hours a day, Monday through Friday. That's fantastic, Paul. And to to hear that your wife's going to be joining you once a week, I can't wait to 
Yeah, she's very gifted, you know. She's not she's not a pushy person. So like she, she doesn't she she just, I mean she's she's very gifted, but she doesn't she's not pushy, let's just put it that way. Well, so, it'll, it'll be awesome to hear the dynamic of the two of you on air together. Um yeah, she keeps me on. bring a lot more to the table. <laughs> no, I it does. It does. It does. And yeah, uh, let me just I, add I love that. Let me add something on this. Go ahead, sir. Oh, yeah, yeah sorry. Well, you know, we need our wives or husbands to keep us honest because if 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 my my wife, you know, loves me, you know, intensely, but the the, the greatest gift is she tells me the truth. I mean, I do not, I don't need to be told, you know, I need to be told exactly. I need to be grounded. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so she grounds me, and that's that's a gift. So you know. Um, Anyway, it, it, it's I think we've all been there. Yeah, right, right. Well, that's people, people don't understand that that is one of the purposes of marriage. On a brief side note, okay, very brief, and this was many, many years ago, decades ago, so I don't want somebody to think, oh, what is this guy, you know, he still thinks he's a teenager. No, but when I was, let's see, it was in my college years, okay, uh, I had been saved miraculously for about a year and uh, miraculously met my wife in New York City. She was a Christian actress. Uh, um, she won a scholarship to Juilliard and she was, you know, auditioning for Broadway plays and stuff and I met her at a Baptist church. Anyway, um, the thing is, I completely forgot what I was going to say. Oh, oh, okay, this is what I was going to say. Even though I was a Christian and I was reading the Word, I still had this idea embedded uh, from my boyhood, uh, you know, kind of the playboy philosophy, was that, you know, that, that the, the reason that a guy should get married is so that, you know, he can have a life partner and has have all his needs met. It was like... It was like a transaction of, of based on me getting all my needs met, and that's not really what marriage is about. As I found out pretty quickly, uh, you know that's that's yeah, you get your needs met, but you marriage is also about a lot of other things. And marriage is is there's the the blessing part, but also marriage is an op- is one of the best opportunities for each of us to grow spiritually, and and anybody who's been married any time at all knows that every marriage, first of all, there's no such thing as a perfect marriage. And second of all, every marriage has its ups and downs and fights and conflicts. But if you hang in there, um, there's a sweetness that occurs, you know, and there's a there's there's a closeness that occurs that, that that's very precious. So enough of that, but I thought I'd throw that in. All right. Um Paul, where do you want to go from here? Um, you got a number of, of uh, things that you covered in your your video uh, that you recently did with the the Brexit and the European Union and the transatlantic money matrix, um, and you covered a lot of ground. Uh, where do you want to go from here? Well, let me just add one other thing to before we went to the break uh, regarding King Solomon because I. As I said, I, I didn't want to... Uh, pe- people come to me all the time want to know the last conference I, 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 I spoke at. People are asking me, should I 
sell my house? Should I take my money in the bank? Very good and very important questions. But I always say I'm not a financial planner. And uh, and it's not that I'm afraid of, of dealing with specific questions that people that people have. And I'm not trying to cop out from that because that's a big complaint I get. You know, people are looking for answers and people just give them, give them pie in the sky, spiritual answers. But there's some powerful spiritual principles that I included in the book that that um, really work where the rubber meets the road. And, and I live by them. And they're essential. And, and they're very practical. And they're very applicable. So going back to King Solomon, just briefly, um, King Solomon probably could have bought the, the Rothschild Empire out of his petty cash fund. But people have no idea how wealthy King Solomon and his empire was. He established the trading network with the Phoenicians, uh, where he imported and exported precious metals all, all, all over the world. Some people say to North America. Uh, certainly up into Great Britain. And it's interesting that it's Great Britain in light of the Brexit because um, in the Bible, in Ezekiel 38 and some other verses, um, there is a mention of Tarshish in the, in the Bible. And Tarshish is considered by many Bible scholars the uh, name of England or Great Britain. England and the reason Tarshish, England was named Tarshish way back then during the time of King Solomon is because Tarshish the word has a derivative that means tin now tin was somewhat of a precious metal so Tarshish or, or England was a center of importing and exporting uh, uh, gold, silver but especially tin and that's where the name Tarshish came from. Now, King Solomon hired the Phoenicians um, to to sail into England and, and import and export these metals across the world. Then uh, the British Empire, of course, had colonies, and the colonies of the British Empire um, were, some of the more famous ones were uh, Canada, the, the, the United States, uh, New Zealand, and Australia. So there's another verse in the Bible that talks about the young lions of Tarshish. And so many people in Bible prophecy believe that the young lions of Tarshish refer to um, the offspring of, uh, of Britain or England, which would be Canada, Mexico, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, uh, and the United States. So there's this there's this relationship. Uh, uh, there now, King Solomon has this global uh, empire. Um, silver was so common in Solomon's empire that it, it was used as, as common metal. Um, the, the Queen of Sheba, when she kings and queens from all over the earth would come to get the counsel of Solomon, and she they, they'd always pay him. And so the Queen of Sheba offered him something like. $250 billion in today's money for um, uh, like a day or two of uh, economic counseling and political counseling, which Solomon gave her. So he had this tremendous empire that, that impacted the, the, the entire world. Now, um, 
but there's something to, to be learned there, and this is what I, I, what I really opened up and amplified in the book, and that is the reason God gave Solomon more wisdom than any man that ever lived, and the reason God gave Solomon more wealth than any man that ever lived is because when God came to Solomon um, and asked him early on in his career, you know, ask me whatever you want, Solomon, and I'll give it to you, Solomon's response to, to God was, uh, give me wisdom so that I, I might rule your people wisely and properly, you know, that I might really take care of your people. And, and God's response to Solomon was, because you didn't ask me for wisdom just for yourself, and because you didn't ask me, you know, for riches and gold, God said to Solomon, but because you asked me for wisdom that you might lead my people, God said to Solomon, for that reason, I'm going to make you wealthier than any other man that ever lived, and I'm going to make you wiser than any man that ever lived. Now, just to encapsulate that, when we're looking for economic prosperity, when we're looking for success, when we're, when we're looking for God's help, the critical point, and I, and I developed this intensively in the book, the critical point is motive. What is our motive when we ask God for something? Because motive is everything. If our motive is pleasing to the Lord, God will release supernatural blessing. He'll, he'll defeat our enemies. He'll turn the tide for us in battle. Uh, God will open doors and give favor. The key is motive. And so the second thing is, okay, so let's say you know your motive isn't right. Well, then you ask God to change your heart and, and to, to, to transform your heart so you do have the right motive. But you see, if the motive is right, God will do all kinds of miracles and provisions, which brings me back into Brexit and uh, the transatlantic uh, money matrix. And this is a what I call a game-changer thought, and I got the game-changer uh, idea from you, Doug, because you always bring it up in the interviews. I think it's imperative geopolitically in the United States and across the world that God's people understand something firmly in their minds that they don't. It's not just something they think about. It's not something they toy about in their minds, but they really have to belly up and own this truth. And, and I'm talking to every one of your listeners right now. If you will belly up and own the truth that nothing is impossible with God and that you have incredible supernatural resources at your disposal, such as, for example, the angelic armies and many other things, if you will embrace that and, and count it as real, then then you reevaluate everything that's going on in America right now. Okay, we know heavy stuff is happening. Heavy stuff could potentially happen in the future. Very heavy stuff. Heavy stuff could happen in Europe. But you need to reevaluate everything that's going on in your own personal life and in the nation and what's happening in the world. You need to reevaluate it in light of the fact that you have a God that is 
has enormous supernatural resources that he is ready to release if you believe him. But you can't just toy with that. You can't just, like, tickle it. you got to own that truth and embrace it. And if you own that truth and embrace it and then act on it, now this is the key thing. This is the, the, this is the ignition. If you act on it, you can move into different areas of life, whether it's dealing with financial problems, whether it's dealing with relational things, whether it's dealing with turning the tide of what's happening in America politically, spiritually, socially, that tide, no matter how bad and ugly it may look, no matter how uh, gigantic the giants look, because they, you know, they control the Internet, etc., if you have your mind in an ownership position uh, of, the, of, the, of the power of God and how you can connect the power of God to reality, it's a game changer. And this is what God is waiting for. See, God is waiting for his people to get into alignment uh, spiritually, intellectually, and with their thinking and their behavior, God's waiting for his people to get in an alignment with him so that he can do incredibly powerful things. So the, the place that we're in now in America, which is on the precipice of a disaster, there can be a series of game-changing events that give us a reprieve, turn the tide, all kinds of stuff. But it requires that every single person listening is in it 100%. If you're going to have your toes in the water, nothing's going to happen. So the, on that basis, it's it's possible to have realistic, sober, tangible optimism and hope for the future. There's a, there's a reason to have optimism and hope for the future if it's based on that reality. And you, this is something that uh, last time you were on we covered, but the, you know, doing something out of a pure heart, the motivation, like you said, <clears throat> where is our motivation when we are dealing with the Lord and, and uh, in our prayer life and in our walk with Him and, and reading in the Bible even? Uh, we have to do it out of a pure heart. Uh, we have to, our motivation can't be a selfish or conceited motivation. And, right. and that leads to, you know, the further you go with a pure heart in your walk with the Lord, that leads to the transformation of the Lord working through you and changing aspects about about you that you could never change yourself, which leads to the dedication, which leads to what we don't see in the Christian community, which we are seeing, uh, you know, with the Satanic Church, for instance, as you pointed out about the six six sixteen rituals they did in Los Angeles. If we had a body, a congregation of Christians that were half as dedicated as the, uh, you know, LGBT groups or the uh, satanic church groups, we would be in a much different place in, in our in our country right now. But right. because it's taken and done half-heartedly, we see this apostasy uh, so intensifying so much and so rapidly. And it seems like there's no end in sight, that there's no way to turn this around. But we know that the remnant church will be alive, will continue, will become more dedicated, and will be used in, in just, you know, miraculous ways as the tribulation period and the, the suffering 
and, and things of that nature begin. But we have to make sure that we are in it for the right reasons, doing everything for the right reasons, and that we put the Lord in our walk with Him first in our life. Yeah, absolutely. So, so there are many people listening to your program, and they're like stuck in, in, in various situations or, or things don't seem to be moving and they're wondering like where, where God is or they're discouraged about what's happening in their personal lives or our nation. Now, there's two, there's two responses to that and one is the correct response. If each person that's listening is willing to to reevaluate the way they're looking at the problems in their own personal life and the problems uh, in in our nation, and then make a decision to to change the way they're perceiving it and the way they're acting based on uh, uh, what God tells us. So, for example, when Joshua and Caleb were called by God to go into Canaan, <clears throat> the Promised Land and conquer the giants and to possess the land, the previous spies uh, came back to God and gave God an evil report and said, we can't take the land of Canaan because there's giants in the land and they'll slaughter us. And God called that an evil report. So their perspective was evil in the sight of God, and therefore God could do nothing through them. It's like somebody unplugged the plug, so there's no power could go through them. Now, Joshua and Caleb spied out the promised land, and they came back to God, and this is critical. They came back to God, and they offered up to God a good report, and they said to the Lord, we are well able to take the land, we are well able to conquer the land, because the inhabitants of the land view us like giants, and we view them like grasshoppers. So they had the opposite perception of the other spies. They said, first of all, we're well able to take the land, and then number two is they didn't say that the people in the land were giants. They said the people in the land view us as giants, and we view them as grasshoppers. Now, whose, whose perception of reality was one of sanity? Whose perception of reality was the accurate one? Were the inhabitants of the land giants, or were they grasshoppers? Well, in all probability, they, in a physical sense, they probably were giants. But Joshua and Caleb, they're, they're, they trained their perception to line up with what God had taught them about how to perceive reality, and they said, but... The people in the land view us as giants, and we view them as grasshoppers. So in a sense, they were saying the physical reality that they may be giants is irrelevant. We have God and the power of God moving through us, so the end result is we're going to view them, we're going to choose to view them like grasshoppers. And then they, they took the land. But what enabled them to take the land was not irresponsible thinking, was not, you know, fantasy land thinking. What enabled them to take the land was their perception or the motive of their heart and their mindset 
was lined up or synchronized with God. So, so every single person listening to us talk is reflect, hopefully reflecting on what we're saying and not daydreaming. And they're, 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 they're saying, okay, how does this apply to me in my life with my problems? Because I got all these problems. And most people listening do have problems. We all have problems. So they have all these problems and they're listening. And then they look at our nation and they say, you know, they may be tempted to say it's hopeless, you know. Look, look at, look at what's happening. But, but every person listening is confronted at this moment with a choice. They can either continue on in a, 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 a mode of perception and thinking and behavior that that keeps them out of sync with God. It keeps them out of alignment with God. They can continue on in, in that mode, and the result will be disaster, failure, poverty, uh, destruction, defeat, uh, and, and then it gets worse than that because it multiplies. Or they can say, "Okay, I'm I'm out of order, man. I'm not thinking properly." You know, as I was writing the end of, of the book. Uh, a prophecy of the future of America, 2016-2017. It was really intense stuff because the first half of the book, I analyzed the Federal Reserve. I go through why the middle class is losing jobs. I I, I, I go through some very intensive, uh, uh, dark territory, which is factual regarding economics. But then, in the end of the book, I, I give answers how to to break free personally and how to break free collectively from that. Now, I really had to, to, to do research. I really had to make it real. I couldn't I could not live with myself because I said people are gonna be reading this book and if I just give them a bunch of BS, you know, a bunch of just garbage uh, stuff that you know that isn't gonna help them, then I'm responsible then I'm, a, then I'm worse than a prostitute because I've made money off a book which isn't giving them any real answers. And I, I couldn't live with myself. I was, I was very uh, tortured by that and the responsibility I had in finishing the book with something of substance. But I also had this feeling, this intuitive feeling that I was going to have to live by my words in the book. And so um, the spiritual battles in my life intensified. You know, whenever you take a stand for the things of God, like you guys do and many of your guests do, uh, we call it being on the front line spiritually. And so the, the, the battle was much more intense. So I began to live off the teachings and principles that I wrote down uh, in, in, in the book. And it is, it has enabled me to be victorious. Uh, not victorious absent of struggle or warfare, spiritual warfare, but to be victorious in the middle of spiritual warfare and struggle. And let me just summarize this one other point besides the one I just made regarding economic breakthrough. Because 
I've said this recently at a bunch of prophecy conventions. You cannot understand Bible prophecy unless you totally understand the money system. You can't, if you don't understand the money system, the global money system and the national money system, if you don't understand the money system, you can't understand Bible prophecy. If you're going around trying to figure out how Bible prophecy works, you you can't understand it without understanding the money system because the money system and Bible prophecy are hand in hand. It begins in Genesis. You know, that's why it's Mystery Babylon and all that. So the other thing is and I've said this before, but it's important, the pilgrims and Puritans who founded America, everybody in biblical history, the apostles, everybody that God has ever used, and they're all imperfect, the reason they were able to be victorious in battle, and that means economic battle as well, is they understood, again, they owned this truth, they didn't just toy with it, they owned it, Okay, they became one with this truth, and that, and, and the ownership of this truth is this: that they knew, in, in the depths of their being, that God is their source, capital S. And when you know God is your source, capital S, it's a game changer. It's like a nuclear detonation goes off in, 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 in the terrain of your subconscious, and the the strongholds, and remember, a stronghold is a satanic argument uh, devised against us that Lucifer uses in our minds. He erects strongholds of thinking uh, to keep us as prisoners. So a stronghold is a satanic argument erected to, to keep us prisoners. But when the truth of this goes off in your inner man, like dynamite, you know, dunamis, the power of God, it detonates the stronghold, which is a barrier or a wall, and sets you free. So when the stronghold goes down, you recognize that God is your source, capital S, and then when you own that, I mean, you can't just know it, you can't just hear it, you have to own it. It has to explode in the center of your being. And when you own the fact that God is your source, you can go into battle, you can go into an economic thing, you can go into anything, and I guarantee you the tide of the battle will change. The, the, you, you will be victorious. I don't care how, if you spent a lifetime of failure, you will be victorious. It, it, this is a, this is a game changer. This is something this, Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. This is a truth that sets you free. It's a game changer. But not only that, it changes the, it, it changes the outcome. So what outcome are we talking about? We're talking about the outcome of the lives of every single person listening to your show and their families and loved ones. We're talking about the outcome of all the people listening in their lives. And we're talking about the outcome of where America is going in the next couple of years. These are very, very important outcomes, but the only way to change the outcome is to own this game-changing truth that he is the source. Source. It can't be some dumb sign you put up on your kitchen wall. It can't be a little uh, thing you write on in a Christian T-shirt. This is you got to own this man. And when it explodes in your inner being, it will it will reverberate 
See, when this explodes in your inner man, and that can only happen by the power of the Holy Spirit, when this truth explodes in your inner man, the sonic reverberation of this truth echoes with such intensity that it smashes down walls of lies and deception. So the detonation of this truth goes off in your inner inner being, and then it literally reverberates with sonic intensity on a multidimensional level, and it fractures and shatters lies, but most importantly, it makes it possible for God to make a way where there is no way. So all of a sudden, you think you're standing before an impossible wall, but the next thing you know, God has made a way where there is no way, and you're walking towards freedom, and you're leading other people towards freedom. That's that's the outcome. Wow. Very well said, Paul. Um, switching gears here, if we can, and I know we just got done, we're, we're just talking heavily on, on the religious and spiritual aspect of our walk in, with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We had uh, Reverend Flip Benham on yesterday. He was an, in attendance at a meeting in New York City with religious leaders who uh, met together with Donald Trump. And uh, there was a lot of, of things learned there, apparently. Um, Trump saying, you know, he's going to support Supreme Court justices who are uh, who will support pro-life and many other things. But one thing that was taken away is... Uh, Trump did not come out and say he was a Christian. But what Reverend Benham took away from it was uh, how how God used uh, Balaam and how God uses you know kings in the world uh, and people in power to fulfill his will and agenda. Uh, what, do you, what is your take on, on Trump and the Christian community's view of Trump? And, and versus uh, and, and that versus Hillary Clinton. Well, I think you know again the the, the the viewpoint and and the means by which the Christian community largely is assessing the candidates like Donald Trump uh, and making a judgment uh, about him whether or not he's a true Christian. And you know. We have a very um, faulty evaluation mechanism going on among most Christians. Most Christians are not using a truly biblical evaluation method in in deciding uh, uh, whether they should vote for Trump or Hillary or whatever. You know, the important question... If Jesus was sitting in the room, I mean, it's so obvious that, that, that I'm surprised that the, 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 the ignorance in the Christian community is, like, staggering. The, the fact that Trump said that he would put in Supreme Court justices, and he talked at length about the kinds of Supreme Court justices that he would put into uh, power who would then enact all this biblical and godly and righteous legislation is the most powerful evidence, assuming he keeps his word, 
it's the most powerful evidence that you could ask for that this man, um, with his his approach to being president, is doing what God would want. That he that he is a Christian because anybody can say I'm a Christian, and so you know if if we're going to evaluate. Um, people as to whether or not they're real Christians because they say they're a real Christian. I can name you right now 30 of the most ungodly men on both political parties who enact all kinds of horrible legislation, who claim to be born-again Christians, who are adulterers, who belong to secret occult societies. So, so I mean, there has to be a, a maturity in the evaluation. For, for Trump... To, to say, oh, we're not going to vote for Trump because he didn't say he was a Christian. That is infantile. It's non-biblical, and Jesus would not approve of that kind of decision-making because Jesus said, you judge a tree by its fruit. The fruit of Trump's choices for uh, Supreme Court justices are men and women that would enact what the Bible teaches. Therefore, Trump is Christian. Now, whether or not he's born-again Christian, um, it doesn't matter. It matters in terms of his personal, eternal salvation. But just about everybody that's been in the White House for as far back as I can remember, has, they have all said they're Christians, and they've all said they're born-again. And they've done horrible things. So, so I mean, you judge a tree by its fruit. So this, 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 this is a non-biblical method of evaluation, because the Pharisees masqueraded as the most pious and ultimate spiritual leaders, but inside Jesus said they were like dead men's bones, they were deaf. So when we evaluate Trump, we, you know, we're not electing him to be our pastor or a reverend. He's not holding a theological office. So you don't, nowhere in the Bible does it say that you um, evaluate a man or a woman uh, for a political office by using theological or ministry evaluation. They're, they're two separate offices. And if you confuse them, you really uh, show your lack of understanding of the Bible. God would rather have a man in office that does not know him in the sense of being born again, but is willing to obey him and do his will, than he would have a man who's born again, but is disobedient and will not do his will. And that's been the case, if people would study their Bibles, God has constantly raised up men, many of them heathen, many of them non-believers. The king of Babylon was in, in deeply involved in the occult, but God used him. And there are many other people in the Bible that were non-believers, they were heathen, uh, that God used, and God raised up. And God chose, for whatever reason, not to raise up somebody who was born again or who, who, who was a true follower of his. So the issue is the fruit. The issue is the act, the actions. So um, 
it is very irresponsible for Christian leaders and for uh, individual Christians to make a decision about who should be president by using a completely faulty and completely non-biblical method of a discernment and a non-biblical method of evaluation uh, towards Donald Trump. It's the fruit. It's the actions. That's how you determine whether or not that man or woman should be in an office. So I'm really, I'm stunned and I'm appalled uh, because it reflects really how widespread and pervasive uh, a lack of real knowledge of what the word really teaches is epidemic in our land. It tells me that most Christians don't go to a church that's teaching the word. Most pastors don't teach the word. How else could you come up with such a ridiculous and non-biblical method of evaluating a potential president? In you fact, know, uh, you're doing the opposite of what Jesus. In fact, when, when it's all is said and done, you're doing the opposite of what Jesus commanded us to do. Exactly. As as I read it, or as I understand it, and believe me, I don't, I don't, I don't understand much, um, admittedly. But but there are things that I, I can I can certainly understand. Um, and, and this goes, you know, you know, Paul. I said this. I'm saying this just about every show. All right, I, I, I see people who are looking at the current political environment, saying, "Well, I'm going to cast my vote for Jesus." And I said this last night and the night before. I think I, I, I haven't seen his name on the ballot, and I'm not sure how that would work anyway. I understand the the context. Wait, I mean, people I are actually coming. Do you say uh, people are yeah. actually oh, yeah. saying to uh, only vote yeah. for Jesus? Yeah, I, I've got an email, or I've gotten emails. I've seen comments. Well, I'm I'm casting my vote for Jesus. Well, look, I I I understand, and, you know, and, and this gets me really chapped. I, I understand the concept. I understand the spirit behind that, because we all would like, absolutely, we we all would like that 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 Christian born again spirit, the the leader who would be pure of heart and, and uh, I, I understand that but uh, to me as Christians Paul I, I think many Christians have been have just gone off the flipping rails you know they really they have. have well yeah they have because first of all um, God commands us well let's start with some basic biblical principles God commands us to be in submission to government. Therefore, in the United States, to be in submission to government means that we are to submit and to obey the laws of our government. So our government requires that in a participatory democracy, uh, our government requires of us that we participate in the political process and that each one of us, if we're to be good citizens, we're to vote for the man or the woman in whatever office. We're to submit to our government by actually showing up and voting. That's an act of obedience to Scripture, and it's an act of obedience to God. So if you choose not to vote, you are literally violating and disobeying the Word of God. So if 
when you say, well, you know, the only person I'm voting for is Jesus, what you're really saying is, I have chosen not to obey the Bible, and I have chosen to sin by not voting, and I have chosen to break God's commandments for me regarding God's commandments based upon His Word regarding my duties as a submissive citizen. Because since Jesus Christ is not running for political office, you can't vote for him. And you know that he's not running for political office, and therefore you can't vote for him. So you are, in essence, in the eyes of God, completely disobeying the Word of God, because you know in your heart that you can't vote for Jesus, therefore you're voting for no one. And by voting for no one, you're disobeying God's command to be in submission to your government, and your government requires that you vote for somebody for a particular office. If you choose to vote for somebody who's not running, you're disobeying God's commandment to participate and submit to government and to vote. So so you're breaking the law of God deliberately by doing that. It's not just a matter of saying, well, I'll cast my vote for Jesus. You can't leave it there. If you cast your vote for Jesus and he's not voting, you're not voting because you can't vote for somebody whose name is not on the ballot. And by not voting, you're disobeying God's commandment for you about your responsibilities to be a good citizen. So it gets very deep. And then you're accountable, and then you're accountable for all the horrors and all the evil things that will happen because you chose not to vote for an available candidate who could have done some good. Right. And you, by not voting, allowed total evil to take control. You're you're accountable for that. And and by the way, when you do that to God, don't... don't expect that. Don't expect the blessing of God to be in your life because you're playing games with God. Well, and, and, yeah, and that's it. And there are so many people that that uh, look at Christianity and our. Uh, I mean, our demographics, our audience, are primarily uh, social conservatives, Christians, uh, fundamental Christians who believe in God. Uh, it, their their hearts are good, but what I see taking place is this um, is this mindset where, well, you know, I'm just going to go into and I, the, I, I'm these are my words now, okay, uh, but this is kind of the impression I'm getting. I'm going to go into my prayer closet, shut the door, pray because really that's all we can do. And my thought is, no, that's not all, all we can do. We're not called to be spectators of, in, in life. We, we're, although prayer is important. It's we we can we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can pray and do whatever we have to do at the same time, right? Uh, am I right, or is right. is that too simplistic? No, you're absolutely right, and it's it's, it's the exact same equiv- uh, It's equivalent to the sin that Jesus Christ accused uh, people in the Bible of when they would say to somebody who was poor and starving, you know, something to the effect, "God bless you, go on your way," and May, may the peace of the Lord be upon you, but you you didn't bother to give them any f- food practically, so you sent them off starving 
and God calls that the, the, the most wicked form of hypocrisy. So in the same way, if you say, uh, well, I'm just going to go into my prayer closet and pray, God is, does not think that's humorous. He's going to hold you accountable because men and women by the millions died shedding their blood in several wars so that we would have a, a society where to whatever uh, degree we have the freedom to vote and just because you God didn't say vote just when you have a perfect candidate you're responsible to pray but faith without works is dead so you don't if you're just praying let's just play this out if you think that you can stand before God and say, I'm just going to go into my closet and pray, you are breaking the law of God, and you are angering God. Because if you were truly praying in your closet to the Lord, you would hear the Holy Spirit speak to you, or you would hear the Lord bring to your mind Bible verses and while you were in your prayer closet, you would ask God for forgiveness of being selfish and hard-hearted. And then you would walk out of your uh, prayer closet and go down to a voting place and vote. Because you would recognize, if you were truly praying, that you were violating the will of God by not actually physically voting. It's a sin. See, not voting is a sin. It's not, it's not like... Maybe I'll do it, maybe I won't do it. It's very clear. God says that we are to be in submission to government. That is a commandment from God. In the United States of America, there are numerous ways that we are to be in submission to our government. One way is our government has an expectation that we vote. Therefore, to be in submission to our government we are required to vote as our government expects us to. That is being in submission to government. So if you don't vote, you are sinning. It's not like, oh, this is, you know, uh, some esoteric thing. But when you don't vote, you're sinning. In addition to that, you are responsible for whatever your lack of vote produces, good or bad. So let's say you didn't. Uh, you, your reason for not voting for a political candidate was they weren't perfect on all the moral and spiritual issues you liked. Okay, so by your not voting, another candidate uh, was elected, and that candidate, in one year, hypothetically, let's say, uh, uh, encouraged uh, 15 uh, million uh, additional abortions. That's right, Paul. But Hold that you yeah. yeah, we're up against the top of the hour break. We'll be right back, folks. This is the Global Star Radio Network. You never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood, a murder investigation based upon a true story by private investigator Douglas J. Hagman. Using the character Mark Stiles, Hagman takes you on a journey behind the scenes where the homicide becomes a secondary to an underworld of satanic ritual abuse, child abduction, and even mind-controlled experimentation. A world dismissed as conspiracy by those who want to keep its secrets hidden. 
exposing the dangers, denials, and deceptions. For five years, a brutal killer remained on the loose, free to kill again. As Mark struggles to navigate the maze of bizarre twists and untangle a web of deeply hidden secrets kept by some of the most powerful and influential people in his community and beyond, you may never look at your city, town, or its people the same way ever again. Stained by Blood. Order your copy of this engaging novel today at HagmanandHagman.com and click on the link. Stained by Blood. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to our third and final hour here on this Thursday edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We are joined by Paul McGuire. His website, paulmcguire.us. He's got a bunch of of awesome uh, things going on right now. First order of business, A Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017 is available now. It's his latest book, and it is uh, one you're going to want to read. Um, I have read the first book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, and it is, in my mind, one of the best books ever written that I, that I have read, uh, that summarizes on a base level of uh, understanding all the way to, um, you know, the most experienced and, and people who are, who are intelligent. Uh, it's written at such a level that, um, even, you know, People like myself can read it, learn it, and understand it. And uh, even my mother-in-law, who who's unaware of so much of what's going on in the world, uh, read it and and just continues to read it. And it's you know surprised by the things that she continues to find in that. But Paul's new book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, twenty sixteen twenty seven, <laughs> Prophecy of the Future of America, twenty sixteen twenty seventeen, is available now on his website, paulmcguire.us, as well as. Um, Paul McGuire's new radio show, The Paul McGuire Report, which we will be listening to each and every day in our studios here, um, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's right before uh, Russ Dizdar. Um, so we're going to have Paul for two hours, then Russ, then we come on. Um, just fantastic. So much information, uh, as so much is going on in the world today. Uh, folks, go to paulmcguire.com and bookmark his website and check out his book read the reviews uh, that comes with a DVD also if you want to purchase a DVD and uh, go down, scroll down the page a little bit and check out the uh, beginning July 4th this coming Monday the Paul McGuire report on Blog Talk Radio I can't wait to hear the first show Um, Paul you do great YouTube videos you do great radio interviews you do great uh presentations when you speak at conferences so i'm really excited to hear how things go with how you articulate and and deal with the current events on a daily basis on the radio show i think it's really exciting and i'm excited to to hear um to hear your radio show 
uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, I, I, I appreciate it, and uh, it's a privilege to uh, uh, kind of be uh, opening act for you guys coming up later, just that, that same day, uh, Monday through Friday. And, um, you know, um, oh, the website is paulmcguire.us. Um, there's also, in addition to A Prophecy of the Future of America 2016-2017, there's also a Ford DVD set. Uh, you can get a, on a, a package if you want both of those, and they have uh, uh, complementary but different information in them. And I think it would very be very helpful. And what I always hope with these kinds of things is that people will, you know, after they finish reading the book, that they'll pass a copy to their friends or invite people over to their house to watch the DVDs and, and discuss it because one of the one of the most effective ways we can change our nation is by communicating and changing the people around us and most people um, you know they, they only have access to uh, the media which is very biased because it's controlled by just six corporations and I can't tell you the thing that continually amazes me um, and I'm very thankful to, to the Lord uh, about this is uh, the, the large numbers of emails and letters I get from people all over the world who, who come to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior um, after reading one of my books or hearing me speak and then what equally uh, makes me rejoice is uh, people who are you know backslid and come back and I consider that uh, you know that that's that's good because they've been turned off and hopefully you know we're offering the way back so um, there's a lot of things happening uh, in, in the US and, and globally and one of my great concerns is that you know each of us we all keep our, our eyes on, on the prize I mean we keep our uh, minds and uh, our, our focus centered on, on what's really important because we have the opportunity of changing uh, the direction of this nation and making an impact on, uh, on the world but to do so we have to, to, to use wisdom and we have to be strategic and we have to be effective and that's really the number one thing that uh, we can, we can all do, be strategic and be effective, because we have more power than we think we have, you know. Uh, the remnant church is, even as a remnant, it, it consists of a, a large number of people, and when there's a large number of people in any nation that share common uh, values, biblical values, and a common vision, uh, a lot of things can be accomplished, and so that's one of the reasons I'm not hopeless. Ultimately, I'm optimistic. But that doesn't mean there isn't a huge challenge. No, you're right. And, you know, you changed my mind about this probably a few years ago, about the, the fatalistic attitude about the uh, future of our country. I was at a point where um, I believed that there was no way to change the future of, of this nation in any meaningful level except at, at an individual uh, level where a person can be led led to Christ and uh, mm -hmm. through listening to you and talking with you you know uh, I understand differently now that 
we cannot be fatalistic. It, it's actually um, detrimental to our to our our spiritual well being, our physical, our mental, and emotional well being. That we do have hope because we always have the hope of of, of Jesus. And and I want to get into if we can talk about patience and emotions with you because you said something about the remnant. The remnant is not a, a tiny minority. Um, and there are people, you know, we always hear of pe- about people who are isolated in their town, in their city, um, from like-minded people. And I think part of it is that we have seen such a increase in attacks of, on Christianity, on Jesus, on the Bible, and such an outpouring, uh, you know, uh, promoting this, uh, you know, anti-abortion is hate speech, anti-LGBT is hate speech, that people are afraid to share their, if they're Christian, with the, that fact with other people. Um, I think people are, are becoming hyper-emotional to the point where, you know, they hear something they disagree with or that does not fit their worldview uh, or their perception of, of the worldview, and it, it breaks them down emotionally and mentally to a point where they can't dialogue or engage in conversation anymore. It becomes like almost a conflict where the fight or flight response kicks in. How do we um, get past our own human nature uh, with the help of well, God to, to, to find the people who are out there and, and connect with the remnant? Well, these are all important things, and, and let me... Uh, one one thing is, and not everybody has the, the privilege of doing this. I have the privilege of doing this. Um, I pay attention very carefully to all these polls and data and statistics. And there are certain trends that have been going on for 20 or 30 years that that are ever increasing. And they'll be, and they're from mainstream respected pollsters, but. If they're not politically correct uh, uh, data, then it, they, they will be hidden, but they keep leaking out. So, for example, um, and then I pay attention to the accumulation of them. So, for example, a poll just came out, a respected poll, saying that the influence uh, and the amount of people who, who watch and trust uh, the mainstream media uh, is is at the lowest that it's ever been before. Okay, now that's important because um, the attack is on alternative media, and you and I and others were part of the alternative media. So the media plays a game. They they attempt to marginalize the alternative media, and one way they do that is they rig the uh, computer systems so that um, alternative media is often given uh, uh, made-up, artificially low numbers to convey the idea that that it only has a limited audience. But you see, other polls keep coming out that contradict this. So the latest poll was is that the mainstream media is on a rapid decline. People don't believe it. They don't trust it. They aren't watching it. Another poll came out and said that alternative media and the people listening to and watching alternative media and people listening to your show are are tuning in right now to alternative media. Um, 
that number keeps getting higher and higher and higher, and alternative media, instead of being on the decline numeric, numerically, it's skyrocketing numerically, and people trust it and believe it to be true. So, now, that's a very dangerous fact uh, to, to, to have the American public uh, realize, because it's basically saying, with all their billions of dollars, their powerful media machines, their audiences are declining, and people don't believe them. Whereas the alternative media is actually, I, I see reports all the time uh, of shows like yours, for example, and others where the the actual number of people that would listen to your program, the Hagman Report, um, far exceeds, for example, the the majority of programs on all the cable news networks, and the the majority of programs on, let's say, the the biggest cable news network, which is Fox News. So so that, that's a very interesting thing. Now, at the same time, this is happening. They want to make that truth disappear. At the same time this is happening, uh, the government is very busily trying to pass legislation where they can totally censor the content and information on the, uh, from alternative media because they, they know alternative media is a threat. It's like going back into the earlier days of the Trump campaign. The media used everything in its power to try to uh, marginalize uh, not take Trump seriously and, and basically say, you know, the guy's a nut. But, but he, he has defied poll after poll, expert after expert. And, uh, today on Drudge Report, it said that he, if, if the general election between he and Hillary Clinton were to be held today, he has like a three point lead over her. Now, that's very interesting because uh, every single day they're saying she has the lead and they've been trying to portray him as, as, as extreme. Yet, if the election were held today, he would win. So there's all these games going on. Another thing is, is that the trust of the politicians is, is journalists, mainstream journalists and politicians, their, uh, their, the public's ability to believe and trust in them it's it's like like you know one or two points uh, above uh, a, a drug dealer or something. I'm I'm exaggerating somewhat, but not much. The 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 politicians and these journalists, their uh, belief by the American public is is at a horrendous low. Um, so you, you keep track of all these trends and you see a very different communication than the one that you're being. Uh, told by the power structure. Then when it comes to religious values, all the polls continually say, whether it's regarding marriage or belief in the Bible or belief that Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead or belief in Bible prophecy, in America especially, the statistical number of people who believe that are always in this huge majority so despite, you know, where America is and it appears to be such a, uh, a non-Christian nation, the reality is massive numbers of people, the vast majority of people on a statistical basis still believe in Christianity and Christian morals. So this, this, this um, 
this idea that we all get because it's intentionally being done to us through social engineering and manipulation of uh, traffic to websites and stuff, we are all being communicated to subliminally by Hollywood and the media and the uh, search engines. We're all being told that uh, we as Christians are, we're the fringe, we're extreme, we're nuts. If you believe in the traditional family, you're crazy. You know, we're the tiny minority. We're constantly being bombarded with those lies. And in fact, the opposite is true. The majority of Americans still believe in the Bible. Uh, the majority of Americans still believe in Jesus Christ. But the lies are, are constantly being hammered at us. In fact, it goes further than that. I think that if we were to see uh, the... Fortunately, there's competitiveness. So like uh, uh, WikiLeaks and Julian Assange, he, he, he has come out with all this data, uh, getting internal memos uh, of secret plots by the government to manipulate facts and statistics uh, and all kinds of stuff. And uh, um, that you'd never hear from our media. So, the, the, so there's this manipulation, and the reality is, the truth is, we're we're swimming in a sea of lies and distortions of, about the truth of us as Christians and our belief system. There are far more of us than the media lets on. There are far more of us that believe the way we do than the media lets on. And whenever I, um, just in my own personal life, and this isn't a scientific survey by any means, but I remember going to a uh, conference where I was speaking, and I was running because I was late uh, to get to, to into the room where the uh, podium was, and there was a whole line of people pouring into the conference. And this African-American girl uh, with her earbuds on, uh, came running up to me and she goes, are you Paul McGuire? Are you Paul McGuire? And I said, yes. And then she shouts, she goes, I I'm listening to you right now uh, uh, on a replay of Hagman and Hagman. And um, I didn't know you were going to be here at this time. This, this kind of thing happens all the time. So, so I mean, just think about that. Uh, you know, Hagman and Hagman listeners and listeners of other uh, alternative media programs and speakers. And the other thing I found out is the diversity, uh, like we have the Paradise Mountain Church meetings that I hold regularly here in Southern California. But when I go to these Bible prophecy conferences, like the one here, the Watchmen, that I'll be speaking at coming up, which is, uh, will be excellent, um, the diversity of the audience it continually stuns me. There are huge numbers of African Americans, Latinos, uh, a wide spectrum of different age groups, uh, ethnicities. It's not, you know, uh, just white people of a certain age. It's a very mixed group, which I think is very, very healthy. And, uh, um, but you see, the media would have you believe it's just, you know, we're just a bunch of you know, wackos with Bibles hiding up in the mountains. So that's part of the spiritual warfare, but what we're fighting against is lies. No, you're absolutely right. The uh, deception that we see, the level of deception that we see in the culture today is astounding. And what's even more astounding than that 
is the i mean it's the apostasy it's the uh the gospel uh that is not of Jesus that is being preached in uh these mega churches and in the majority of 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 the christian uh, um, the western christian world where we don't see any preaching ag- against sin people are not getting convicted in the church there is no talking of repentance the love aspect of it is important but it is a piece that is one part of many parts of a whole and when people are uh, allowing themselves to be deluded and there are those I mean we have to be diligent as Christians we have to do the work we have to open the scriptures we have to read and study to show ourselves approved and not only that we have to walk out our faith in obedience and yes we will backslide we will make mistakes we don't have to but as human beings with our fallen nature um, at least for me that's how I operate but we cannot let the enemy who it, we are told is there to steal kill and destroy and steal your soul kill your soul destroy your soul <laughs> that's the objective of the enemy it's not uh you know trying to get your uh marriage divorced it's not trying to uh, you know right. ha- have you bankrupt it the whole objective of the enemy is to have your soul you spiritually right. removed from from your savior and it's working and and it and it breaks my heart and i know you know so many guests and, and other people who email and listen to the show they see it and they understand it but it it's also we we are seeing what the lord said he would do that he would blind the people who are wholly turned over to to the lust um uh, in their own imaginations. So there there are those barriers there that we need to pray that the Lord will break down. But it, it just amazes me that uh, in this day and age, in this time where things are so uncertain, we dwell, as the Bible says, carelessly in this land. And we live like nothing bad is ever going to happen, and we're, we're surprised when it is. Yet we're told to to think the opposite way, to understand that um, we are protected through the Lord, but all who love the Lord will shall suffer persecution, just as the Lord did. The Lord did, you know. And uh, we are told, you know, as the world hated Jesus, how much more will will they hate you? And Jesus, being uh, sin free and the Redeemer of sin, uh, came as a man in the flesh and died, so all men can be saved. But what's being preached in the church today is a, a false Jesus, and it is leading to a false belief system. And this is part of this globalization process we see. And this goes back to the trade deals, even. The, the globalization, the ending of nation-states, the ending of national sovereignty, we are turning back to what was, and we talked about this last night, as Michael Lake puts it, in the Plain of Shinar, in, at the Tower of Babel. Well, everyone was of one mind and of one one speech. And everybody thought nothing but evil continually before the flood. And after the flood, they tried to build the Tower of Babylon. Or, I'm sorry, uh, the Tower of Babel. Uh, and they knew. They said, you know, let us build this tower before the Lord comes and, and confounds our, our language. But they continued anyways. And we're moving back to that model. And it's just very striking to me that the the people are so blind to it and it's the the also the fault of the media and a lot of the alternative media 
because Jesus is not preached as the answer to any solution when he is the answer to all problems. Well, yeah, you're right. And the, the, the thing here, at the, the heart of it, and you, you said it, you know, the, 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 the objective of the enemy ultimately is to uh, s- s- destroy souls, block people uh, from salvation. That's his, his prime objective. And uh, he, he uses uh, lies. And the, and the other thing is that um, in regards to an accurate uh, uh, statistics, uh, of Christians, etc. Um, on one hand, we have the illusion of the megachurch. And by the way, in my, my, my new book, I talk about mega mosques coming to America because they will be here in the next year or two. Yeah. Already, already in Great Britain, we have mega mosques. But we have the illusion that megachurches that are very secret-friendly and don't preach the truth of God's Word are, are these, uh, you know, Growing, expanding things, but that's a complete illusion because mega churches don't; those are not composed of people that have been won to Jesus. They're not the products of evangelism. They're not the result of people being won to Jesus Christ. Mega churches basically pull from smaller churches geographically near it, and then they pack. A, a larger building or a mega church with people that are already sa- already saved, but the people like you know the, the the coffee shop and the activities, so they go to the mega church. So the mega church doesn't represent new converts; they they just people that are pulled from existing churches. Now, the, the another statistic said a number of years ago that the largest growth in terms of churches in America was not in any denominational church. That denominational churches of all kinds were dying and that the the fastest growing churches were were the uh, uh, non-denominational independent Bible-believing churches. They were the fastest growing uh, churches. But now that statistic has changed even more. There is a massive number of people in America that are they're turned off by the preaching and teaching and content in most churches because it's not biblical. There's no teaching of Bible prophecy, and they're turned off by it. So there's a huge number of people that are born again, that love the Word of God, that have a relationship with Jesus, that read their Bibles, but they're simply not going to church. They're, in a sense, feeding off programs like yours and, and going to conferences and hooked up through the Internet uh, through, like, substitute uh, uh, church-type ministries. And this is, this, it represents growth. It represents millions and millions of people. It's just that they've decided that they, they're not interested in showing, showing up in the building where people aren't preaching the Word of God. So, you know, there's good things and bad things. And then, again, back to the numbers um, and paying attention and being on the alert. It reminds me of that verse, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. When we have the Holy Spirit inside us and we're renewing our minds with the Word of God, 
we should have the ability to have a spiritual discernment. We should also have the ability, if we're doing that, to see things, to see the attacks of the enemy before they manifest. So if Christians were regularly renewing their minds with the Word of God and praying to the Lord, they would discover that the Lord would give them the ability supernaturally to see danger before it manifests, uh, to be warned uh, before uh, bad things happen. Now, there are a number of things happening in our nation that haven't surfaced yet, but represent uh, the potential of great danger and, and great harm. And they are, they are in America now. Uh, these potential dangers, and I'm talking about a spectrum of dangers, not just one. Now, all those people that are walking in the Spirit of God, who are renewing their minds with the Word of God, and who are praying to God, they are aware of these dangers, and that even though the dangers have not uh, physically appeared yet, they are hidden in our midst. And again, I'm talking about a spectrum of dangers. So what God wants is not for his people to be caught uh, by surprise and not for his people to be hurt and harmed. That's not the will of God. That's Satan's will. So what God is desiring is that his people would hear his early warning system, if you will, and then in a law-abiding, peaceful manner, um, make the decisions they need to make um, do the things they need to do and make the adjustments and changes and initiate certain actions on, on a multitude of levels that are all designed to be proactive and uh, disable the enemy's ability to do harm before the enemy strikes. Now, if God's people were focused in on him, uh, rather than, you know, uh, getting involved in all these sideshow arguments. But if they were really focused on him, the danger that's hidden uh, will not succeed. The the enemy that is hidden, and again, it's a spectrum of enemies, will not triumph. It's God's desire to supernaturally protect his children and supernaturally protect his church. But God's church and his children have to be in an active, vibrant, supernatural relationship with him. If they are, God can do amazing things. I mean, you know, whatever you think about this candidate or that candidate, this election cycle has been a miracle in the sense that there are topics that are being brought up now, such as the trade treaties and the manipulation of currencies by China and uh, what the elite has been doing. Uh, as a consequence of the discussions in this election, there are millions and millions of Americans who are now aware of things uh, on an economic level and other levels where we've been betrayed by our politicians, we've been betrayed by multinational corporations. These things now are front and center, and millions of Americans are aware of them, and now when Ford is building factories uh, sneakily, uh, you know, south of the border, the American people are waking up. This is all a, a byproduct, and I believe it's miraculous, of God 
through this political cycle, allowing all kinds of information to surface. Um, I hear now occasionally on the secular news programs the fact that the Fed prints money from nothing. That never, ever was said four years ago. So these are all uh, positive changes if they continue, and there can be, to whatever degree the Lord allows it to, if God's people will be uh, obedient to him, read the word, have a relationship with Jesus, and then do what he tells them to do, uh, we can avoid, and God will give us the ability to supernaturally outsmart our adversary. And I'm talking about a spectrum of adversaries. It is not God's will for his children to be sitting ducks uh, waiting for destruction. And if we move legally and in a law-abiding fashion and listen carefully to the to the Lord and renew our minds, God can supernaturally equip us with the ability, the intelligence, the perception, and the decisions we need to make to overcome rather than be uh, victims. And I believe that's what the Lord wants. Amen, brother. And uh, I, I believe you and people like you are acting in obedience and, and, and providing exactly what the body of believers needs I mean, I'm not saying that uh, uh, you know just out of flattery I'm saying that because the mechanics of, of uh, but what I heard or what I what I took away from your statement is the mechanics are, are different today maybe uh, the the the, um, the mechanics of the church the the, the, the different the, the new church I I'm not even sure I'm using the the proper terminology, but the spirit is is the same, if not stronger. The mechanics of delivery is different. We have to adapt, right. I think, you know. Right. Yeah. And, and um, wow. Okay. Exactly. Um, and and think and think about this. Right now, because of the turmoil and because of the access. Uh, through the internet and social media, we all have access to such a huge range of delivery mechanisms. I mean, you know, with all the problems people have with Facebook or whatever, it's still a medium to a large degree of communication. And there's many other uh, mediums of communication. There's a huge percentage of people in our nation and across the world who, because things are not going well, uh, they're hungry, and they're hu- because they're hungry, they're open. They're open to new ideas. Now, if, if we come at them and just shove the same old religious garbage down their throat, we're, we're, they're going to turn away. But if we use wisdom, if we're wise as serpents and harmless as doves, we have an unprecedented, unprecedented opportunity to change people's lives by presenting to them Jesus Christ in a way that they can understand and relate to. Jesus said, the fields are white for harvest, but the laborers are few. Now, that means in America and in other places, there's a massive harvest right now. I mean, it's overdue. There's a massive harvest 
an end times soul harvest of hundreds of millions of people, and who know, knows how many millions of people in America are are more ready to receive Christ than they ever have for their entire lives. They just need it presented to them in a way they can understand and relate to. But then Jesus said that the laborers are few, which implies that there are people that God is calling and talking to to uh, reach those other people with the gospel, but they're being disobedient and they're not doing their job. Now, there's two ways they can do that job. They can directly be the one uh, communicating the gospel to these people that are hungry for the gospel. But God is equally pleased with those people. who they, Their job may not to be the uh, point man or necessarily the person doing the communication, but they're willing to partner with or pray for or or get involved with ministries or organizations and individuals who are communicating the gospel. Because let's remember very clearly that um, every one of us that have accepted Christ into our lives are guaranteed entrance into heaven through faith and faith alone. But before we get into heaven, we all stand before the judgment seat of Christ where we're evaluated by Jesus Christ for what we've done here on this earth, both good and bad. And at the judgment seat of Christ, we receive rewards for what we did right, and for what we did wrong, it burns up like wood, hay, and stubble. And Jesus specifically said that um, if you help somebody else win people to Christ, or if you yourself um, win people to Christ, or pray for people, and that causes people to come to Christ, you will get what's called the soul winner's crown. It's an actual reward at the judgment seat of Christ. Now that means there's a promise from God of an incredible reward for assisting or praying for somebody to be saved or or helping in any way for somebody to be saved. And that's why Jesus tells us in his word, he says these words to each one of us. He says, he who wins souls is wise. Now why is Jesus telling us, uh, each one of us, he who wins souls is wise? Well, one, because God wants all people to be saved, but two, because Jesus knows there's an incredible reward given out to those people who assist or lead somebody to the Christ, and that's why he who wins souls is wise. But number three is, and this goes back to the, the principle of motive that I talked about earlier in the program, when our heart motive is right with God, one of the ways we know if our heart motive is right with God is if we have a genuine inward desire to win people to Jesus Christ, either by praying for people to be saved, by, by sharing our faith one-on-one, by partnering with a ministry or individual. Whatever we do, if we have a burden to win the lost, and we do whatever we can to help win people who are lost, um, that's motive. And you see, if, we, if, if you say, well, Lord, how do I know if I have the right motive? If you don't have any concern about people being saved, if you don't have any desire to either indirectly assist or do it directly to win people to Jesus Christ, you don't have the right motive. One of the primary indications of having the right motive is 
am I concerned and do I have a desire to win people for Jesus Christ? Because if you do have that right motive, you are rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ, but God, and a lot of people don't want to hear this, but God blesses people here in this lifetime if their motive is right in the way they approach life. And that doesn't mean you have to be a full-time evangelist, but if in your heart you have a desire to win people to Christ, God blesses that person. There's a supernatural blessing of God poured out upon that person, and that's having a right motive. So going back to this evaluation of Donald Trump and and the criticism about him, because he didn't say that he was a Christian or born again, that kind of talk is not evidence of a right motive. Talk that's evidence of a right motive is... Lord, I'm going to pray for this man who could be our next president. I'm going to fast and pray for him. I'm going to, uh, if I know him, ask for an opportunity to share um, um, my faith to John, uh, to Donald Trump so that he might be saved. I'm going to ask God to show me why he might be reluctant to say he's a Christian. Maybe he had a horrible experience. Who knows? That's an appropriate response. An indication of a right motive is not uh, stomping on the man for saying he's not born again. An indication of right motive would be, I'm going to pray for Donald Trump or anybody else who's running for president so that they might be saved. See, right motive is everything. And right motive is a prerequisite to victory, a spiritual warfare victories, and right motive is a prerequisite for the blessing of God and the power of God. Um, there was a, a, a famous evangelist during the Great Depression when all these ministries were dying off. This evangelist ministry was prospering. And one of the main reasons why was this particular evangelist was feeding the poor and, and had an em- emphasis on wanting people to Christ. And as a result, despite the fact that there was an external economic depression, this evangelist prospered financially. Okay. I'm working that through my mind. I mean, okay. In in spite of ourselves, essentially. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, right motive, the blessing of the Lord and right motive um, is, is never determined by our self-effort or how good we are or how perfect okay. we are. It's determined by are we available. Right. right. Are right. we available. You know, okay. David was a man who, who was considered a man after God's own heart. He committed adultery, he lied, he murdered somebody. So why was he the only man in the Bible called a man after God's heart? Because at least his heart was open and he repented. So God is more concerned with, it's not that God, I mean, God certainly didn't approve of his behavior, but but God blesses uh, any individual who is at least open to the Lord, you know, making an effort to have God move through the mind. You know, help him communicate. 
Yeah, yeah, I think it was yes, yes, uh, absolutely clear. I, th- I think, I, I think the, I, I just it was it's me sometimes in, in my own uh, intellectual bias looking at this and saying, you know, um, you know, in, in spite of ourselves, we. Well, I, I guess I didn't even have to say that. As long as our motives are pure, as long as our motives are to um, are pure in the eyes of, of God, and we're obedient, and we make ourselves, as you say, available, and we do the right, we do the things that we're called upon to do, um, we will be blessed and rewarded. I, I, well, right? Our, well, yeah, but our motives. Well, first of all, let me start with the premise that none of our motives are pure. In, in light of God's standard, including mine. So we start with the premise that none of our hearts are pure. Therefore, we the, the beginning is we ask God to purify our motives and purify our heart, knowing that we can't do it ourselves. He has to do it. And then the second thing is is that we, um, we're not trying to, uh, uh, you know, make this a works thing, and just because somebody suffers or undergoes persecution or, or has financial hardship or financial difficulty, that should in no way be construed as people should not come up, come up with the miscalculation that we should never look at somebody who's going through a trial or experiencing an adversity, whether it's poverty or sickness or whatever. We should never come to the faulty conclusion that the reason that's happening in their life is because their heart is not pure. That would be a terrible mistake. Right, right. Okay. And, and sometimes people with the purest hearts, and this becomes problematic, but sometimes with the, pe- the people with the purest hearts uh, end up suffering the most intense persecution and difficulty because because um, it's not a it's not an equation that gee because I've um, I'm doing all the right things or I'm asking God to use me that you know I'm going to have all, all these guarantee of blessings you might be doing the right things and asking God to use you and you might be in persecution you might be in jail you might be sick you might be dying so we have to be very careful about making faulty external uh, faulty external conclusions. The, right. the, the point From I was yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, the, I, I wasn't trying to make it as an absolute. I was simply trying to say that the 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 word of God teaches us that there are certain things that we can do. There are certain things that we can pray. Certain attitudes that we have that that. Uh, make us conduits for God's blessing and can release God's blessing in our lives. But God may have sovereign purposes of our own understanding for allowing us, let's put it this way, I don't know anybody uh, who has ever been used by God who has not gone through incredible trial, incredible difficulty, and incredible suffering. So we can never look at anybody's life who's undergoing trial or experiencing uh, something negative and come to the false conclusion that their motives are not right or, uh, you know, if only they had the pure motives, God would bless them. Sure. Sure. I, I understood. Yeah, I, I love this intellectual, Joe, I mean, I love this intellectual discussion with Paul. I, I really do. This, to me, 
No, they're always I mean, great. This is every yeah, single one of them. Yeah, and we only have a few minutes left, Paul. Um, do you have any upcoming uh, prayer meetings scheduled? Yeah, we are going to have another Paradise Mountain Church prayer meeting um, probably in a, about a month. I haven't locked in the date. It'll be at the same uh, location, uh, which is the hotel in North Hollywood. We will have the date posted at paulmcguire.us. And, you know, we have people that fly in or drive in from half across the country or more. And uh, the power of God really moved um, at the last meeting. And uh, the Lord convicted me, you know. Uh, He said to me, Paul, not in an audible voice, he said, I want you to... If the, only if the people want it, I want you to uh, uh, lay hands on every person uh, who comes, who wishes to be prayed for, and to pray for him. And so, um, you know, as long as I can do that, uh, I will keep that commitment uh, to lay hands uh, on every person who wants prayer, and there's no pressure if they don't want prayer. And God moves supernaturally. I mean, people were crying and sobbing and because God was touching them and uh, you know it's not because there's something special about me I'm simply operating in a ministry gift and the purpose of a minister is to to minister and uh, the the power of the Lord is tangible and he he moves upon people and he he releases people from I don't even know what he's releasing them from but you can sense like a great weights are being lifted off people's hearts and they begin to tremble and they begin to cry I mean nobody acts crazy or weird but it's 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 incredibly rewarding to see people come in uh, who are carrying burdens and, and trials and are weary and the Lord touches them and uh, sets them free and ministers to them that's that's priceless amen and I've I've spoken to so many people who have attended your meetings and they've been so blessed by them and and we're so glad that you, that, that you do that and we're also so excited folks a couple of things uh Paul's new book a prophecy of the future of America 2016-2017 is out available we highly recommend it absolutely i mean anything Paul McGuire writes i i will read absolutely i mean without without question and and folks starting monday july 4th four o'clock p.m eastern time mm-hmm. the paul mcguire report wow on blog talk on radio btr yeah. you know and, and go to paulmcguire.us to uh to uh get all of that information and and go to paulmcguire.us for his latest article which is right on the money with respect to his analysis about current geopolitical events You've uh, you've did it. You've done it again, Paul. My goodness. I, I got a question, Paul. Um, on your radio show, are you gonna? Do you have any plans to bring on guests, uh, take calls, or, or do, you, uh, do you plan on yeah, just doing uh, the? Initially, uh, because as you guys know, I've done this before. Initially, um, I well, eventually we'll have guests. Initially, I won't be able to take phone calls because, as you know. To take phone calls, I have to have it set up with a call screener, et cetera, et cetera. And that, that's complicated. So we'll see what the Lord do, does. You know, uh, one of the most powerful things about radio is 
its ability to be interactive and to talk to people. But unfortunately, as you know, that you, you ha- in today's world, you have to have a call screener because um, some people uh, abuse uh, the privilege and, you know, you got to have a screener. <laughs> we know. <laughs> no, it never happens. Oh, I, yeah, we we know. We know exactly. Oh, my goodness. Um, Paul, is there any, any closing comment? We've got about 90 seconds left of the program, and, and the 90 seconds are yours, my brother, uh, for any parting words you have for our listening audience from New Zealand to Central America to uh, North America. It's to you. Well, my, my, my parting words is simply really, it's this. Don't give in to the temptation to uh, give in to despair and hopelessness. Resist the temptation for despair and hopelessness. And instead, no matter what you feel, begin to ask God. Begin to, to cry out to God. Begin to talk to God. And as you do that, uh, the despair and hopelessness will lift and you will see God answer prayer. So that's my encouragement. Don't give in because it's like quicksand. Don't, don't give in to despair and hopelessness. Simply give your petitions, cry out to God, and start talking to God. Start praying to God, and you will see things happen. All right, sir. Well, thank you so much for your gift of time tonight. We really appreciate it. May God bless thank you, you and uh, have a great fourth. Looking forward thank to your you, show gentlemen. on Monday. All right. All, All right. right God bless you both. Thank you. Bye-bye. God bless you too, Paul. Thanks. What a great man of God! What a great friend! What a great uh, he's just PaulMcGuire.us. A lot of great information. And, and when I said professor initially, he is. He, I mean, yeah. he's he is a professor. So and folks, if you check out, I I urge you to check out his book, A Prophecy of the Future of America, twenty sixteen twenty seventeen. That's right. If it's half as good as A Prophecy of the Future of America, the first one. It's well worth it. Oh man, I promise. Well, it's it's a totally new book, and uh, Joe, as a matter of fact, uh, uh, I will we will have a copy overnighted. So um, I'll make sure of that because we need to have that. I need to read what's in there uh, seriously, and we yeah, I mean, we, we all love do. books, you know. And so, tomorrow night, um, it'll just be tomorrow. you and me. That's right. Current events, it news, um, and who knows? Uh, there could be something have... else going on. Yeah. And then don't forget, a week from tomorrow, a week from tomorrow, Coach Dave will be in studio, in studio. for the whole three-hour show. Definitely not going to want to miss that. That's going to be fun to, fun to watch, right? Absolutely. Until tomorrow, stay safe, God bless, and have a good night, everyone. This is the Global Star Radio Network.